Good morning and welcome to the Preventing Grace podcast. We are trying something new today. Well, not really new, but we're looking around for a voice recorder. Because the one we had has said we're no longer well, we, able to use it for free. So We don't really want to pay for yeah. that sort of thing on account of how we're cheap. We prefer <laughs> to buy cheese than a voice recorder. But... um. So I have no idea if this is going to be a thing that works. I'm wondering we'll if we out. should pause and see if it or does it, work. And then it has the it has the yeah. I mean, all the little lines are there showing so. that it's going. So we should just do it. And if it doesn't work, then sorry to our listener. No had, podcast for you today. Yeah, we're jet lagged anyway. We need we needed to rest. Yeah, we shouldn't be jet lagged because we got here on Friday and it's yeah. Monday. But I still feel like no, I, death. I, I, like yesterday, I was fine until about two, when yeah. it's when it was usually the time we're going to bed in the in Nairobi. So I just had to I, I had to leave. We had company over, and I just had to leave the room. I had to go. Yeah. Mm. So I was I went to sleep at four, and I got up at six, and stayed I up have until... been like sleeping a lot. lot. I mean, anyway, I've been sleeping an immense amount too, which is unusual. I, I've been going to bed at four o'clock and waking up the next day at six o'clock so but i think that's also because we went to kenya straight from holy week <laughs> like yeah it was we were we went we left straight tired. through easter and got 13 and packed, hours straight drive to packed on monday straight, drive, straight flight to we packed on monday mm-hmm. packed on tuesday got in the car at four in the morning on Wednesday and because usually Easter is like after after Holy Week we're just so spent that we spend the rest of the week just the week after Easter we just usually take doing a week off nothing yeah the nothing. whole staff takes a week off and instead we had a 14 hour flight to Kenya after packing for two days and then and then you know when we hit the ground in Kenya your parents they had were, lots of things planned for us well, because yeah, we come all that way you can't be like I'm <laughs> right. sorry I need a nap Right, so we excuse lit- me while I go to sleep for a couple of days. I mean, just looking, it seems like it seems like we were gone for a month, but we were only gone for two weeks, two and a half weeks. Yeah. But when you add in the the fact that we started packing on Monday, yeah, and we didn't get back until Friday, it was essentially three weeks of like travel stuff. Right. So, because so. they did, it was every week. So we got there the next day after we got there, we went to Quinda right to see the school. Yeah, um, in the Quinda so. slum, and then. We did that two days. We went to go see the school. We went to go tour the the area around the school, and then we 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 had like we had one day before we went to Kigali. Uh, no, because it was Friday. Do we shouldn't rehash this? Right. We <laughs> went to Kigali on Sunday. Like we went to church, and okay, yeah, that's and then a, we yeah. went to Kigali and right started in so For the whole week there. We came back. Then we went down the safari, which was. It was also surreal. This the, the, the from one very extreme to yes, another. Yes, yes, yes. I'd never been. Well, okay, my parents keep telling me that when I was a child, we did go to somewhere in Ivory Coast in a car to see animals. Maybe we saw a lion, but somehow going on a game drive in Ivory Coast is no way similar to going on a game drive in 
the shadow of Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> <laughs> where like the, the amber and the cellar where we went is known for its massive elephant herds. So you couldn't couldn't go anywhere without seeing an elephant. Uh, yeah, we got there that night, the evening after driving from Nairobi, and you know, all the way seeing Kilimanjaro rise up like an empress over the or the is it an empress? Does know. it rise up like a? I don't know the words by heart. I don't think it's empress. I think I'm missing, uh, but something. I that, gonna, you should break into song. song right now. <laughs> People don't want me to do that. Um, I did keep wanting to sing Toto the whole yeah. time. I was like, it's a and massive. Then it did mountain. rain, it, so we could It did miss rain the down in Africa. It was raining all the we time. were blessing them, but they. <laughs> it was. It was a massive mountain. It was. It was. It still exists. You should say is. Is. Well, it, well, it exists in my past, though, so I'm speaking subjectively. It was a massive it was a massive mountain, and there was no other mountains around it, so it's just, it just, it does. It just rises up out of nothing. So it's a pretty spectacular sight, and your parents said that they never, like, they've gone over many times, but well, they'd never seen this. Times. My mother grew up are, or was born in Tanzania. Really? Yeah, Make sure I mean, you get there in that exact number of times. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I am. <laughs> My mother said she had never seen the mountain. Like, they'd gone to the Tanzanian side and and maybe close to Amboseli and they never saw the mountain because it was always covered in clouds. This is the first time they saw it. Okay. How many times has that they gone before? Well, maybe like four. Not many times. It's like okay, but to me, that's many times. I've never gone once. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's important you do to get this. the you details right. When I, when I like say something, you're you're getting the details wrong, and so you interrupt it. me and you correct me. <laughs> <laughs> that's the definition of marriage. Huh. <clears throat> so it was pretty. And but okay, so it we get amazing. we got there that evening, and we our 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 camp quote unquote campsite. It wasn't a camp. Which was like basically a, a resort. It fancy was, hotel. Yeah, it, uh, we were in a, we were in a tent in the sense that it had canvas sides, but that's the it only. It had tent. a roof over it, though. <laughs> it was the and only electricity, water, electricity, and showers, yeah, and nice beds. And the only thing that we had to have was a mosquito net because bugs would get in the in the. Yeah, there was water. But besides that, it was fine. But okay, so we get there, and there's a there's an electric fence around the campsite, and there's elephants just. Trotting around outside, where you're just right, very close, and zebras pass through our zebra trails all over the inside the camp. I guess the zebras get inside the camp. Well, there were apparent. There are apparently a couple who just lived there inside. Yeah. Okay. The, I mean, they and why would they go out when there are lions on the other side of the electric fence? Yeah. Yeah. I did feel Jurassic Park. Oh, don't worry. They were saying the, well, the lions will never go through the the, the electric fence. fence. And the next day, your uh, our guide was telling us, "Oh no, yeah, <laughs> they they easily get through electric fences because the, 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 the elephants know how to like use their foot to to push on the the wooden posts and knock the fence down. And then they know to step over carefully, step over right. the electric fence. <laughs> right. So, and, and in fact. It's and then lions much, can easily door. follow them. It's much more dangerous to have a fence than not to have a fence because if you have a fence and then they get in, then they can't get out. Then they yeah. they're really stressed. They become very anxious and, <laughs> and upset, and they're very large. So yeah. it's better not. To and have if a lion, if a elephant can get through the fence, then a lion can yeah. easily follow the elephant. 
It just, it just, it felt like your other card. I've carefully not watched that movie. Oh, well, that's kind of what happens. They're safe behind the fences, you know, <laughs> and then the electric stuff breaks down because the Tyrannosaurus Rex steps on it. Yeah, it does figures out how to get through it, and then they all die. <laughs> well, that's fun. Yeah, we didn't die though. We we came home. We lived. And the Velociraptors too. <laughs> I mean. I haven't seen a lot of animals like that in real life. Um, that was I wasn't listening to you a minute ago. You said you went on the game drive in Maui? Ivory Coast. They have this sort of game park. They don't have like really big stuff because like the last elephant was killed in Maui in the 20s, I think. Oh, they were wow. hunted. And so there's only very small things in molly like there's no hyenas and um are there lions i don't think so so i do think i feel like maybe we saw a lion in ivory coast and some sort of game thing we had our dog with us in the car so we kept joking that to get be able to see lions we should let the dog out and see if we can <laughs> attract a lion and then get him back in real quick but i'm just so my mother kept correcting me when i said i'd never been on a game drive like that i had been but it's just not the same is what i'm saying and i feel really i already said this on the internet somewhere else that the i have never had any emotional purchase with east africa i'm from west africa so I never once in my life have thought, you know what I really need to go see is Mount Kilimanjaro. Like I have stuff to do. I don't need to go there. But then I saw it and I was like, oh, okay. I guess it does make sense. It's this kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's probably like going to see Mount Everest and you're like, oh yeah, okay. I guess it is really a big mountain. <laughs> I guess there's a reason that lots and lots of people come here to see yeah, this. It's stunning. It's, it's, it's Yeah. And I like how you were immediately convinced that it was the origin of all of t the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I am. I don't. The first I don't thing know you think of is this is the Lord of the Rings because the Lonely Mountain. Like there's no mountain. There's no mountain around the Lonely Mountain. It's kind of a lonely, the Lonely Mountain where the dragon comes, and then um, and near the Lonely Mountain or near the mountains, um, not the Lonely Mountain, but there's the dead marshes and there was this area that looked just like the dead marshes in the Ambrosilli game park. And it was back dropped by the mountains, mountain. So you're it, sure that he went there no, and stayed at I'm our not, camp? I was, I, was, I was making the middle connections in my head. So, and that makes it more meaningful for you. Yes. <laughs> like if there's no Lord of the Rings, um, corresponding note, then it's literally not a thing. <laughs> well, well, I should add at this point that during morning prayer this morning. <laughs> Did you think of Lord of the Rings? <laughs> no, no. But when uh, it, it's the feast of J Philip and James and <clears throat> the reading was from John 14, when Philip asks Jesus to show him the father and the, and Jesus says, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, the father and I are one. And I was talking about the revelation of the glorious mystery of the Trinity. And Anne's question was, so what is this? How does this apply to my life? <laughs> I thought you could provide some application points to help me through my day. Like I know it. But God revealing him his 
What is this nature and character the Lord, to the you? Lord of the Rings, that... <laughs> I'm just saying because you say I, I, I relate everything to the Lord of the Rings, and I'm pointing out that you relate everything to you. <laughs> That's not quite true. And you're a selfish person. You're a you're not. No, I'm not. I'm not a selfish person. Mm-hmm. I give my life in service to others, mm-hmm. um, including reading Lord of the Rings. Just you didn't read it. You didn't, I did. I read the you whole. You finished thing. it. Yeah. Last year, I read the whole thing in the summer. I'm just surprised you read, that, that you read it, and that's it. That, that, that's for you. That's a done, finished thing. Did you read the Sumerian yet? <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> I've read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings out of out of love um, and charity, and I enjoyed it. I even talked to you about it, and you just put it out of your mind completely. So are you going to read it again this coming year? <laughs> can't be like the bible it can't be where it's like you read it every year i can either read the bible every year or the it lord of the can Rings. be like the bible if you if you decide if you just make a commitment to read it i can't add like there's a huge number of things that i'm trying to read and i would have to stop and um put all of them off in fact somebody just sent me another thing that i should read that i really really don't want to read I speaking of reading, and we have no we have no we have going. no show prep right today. But I did start reading that book last night that you you've been you're reading. Which one? Vernacular. Oh. Gender and economic sex, or the that... the the gender book. Yeah. Like the actual physical copy. Yeah. Well, no, I read it. I read the uh, you, you bought it on Audible. Oh, you mean feminism against progress. That's, yeah. You started listening to it last night? Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. Wow. Yeah, don't sound surprised. This is exactly <laughs> like the recapitulation of, I, re, I read The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. I think it's amazing. <laughs> I say to you for months, you've got to read this book. It's changing my life. Then you read it. You go to church and do a, like, a 60-part class on The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Like, you discovered it. Is that going to be what happens now? Like, I read Feminism Against Progress, and then you go around and, hey, hey, everybody, you got to read this amazing book. <laughs> and you're going to start telling me, hey, you got to read it. It's a good book yeah. so far. It, it's how far are you? I'm only in the second chapter. Uh, so, Which part is that? Well, she is um, talking about the Industrial Revolution and how that so changed like she okay so she's saying like uh there was an equal share of work for men and women before the industrial revolution because uh women produced things that that people needed in in the household right so a man a man would go out and work in the fields or whatever and the woman would produce clothing by by doing the manufacturing the wool and textiles and she would she would she would not, it was, she wasn't just cooking and cleaning. She was producing real things that people really needed in the household. Um, Which if you go, if we went back now and watched Ruth Goodman's, you know, the Tudor farm, like we watched all those. And the, I mean, right. that's just true the world over. The household is a unit of production. If you think about it in those crass terms. And everybody has to participate. Children, women, yeah, men. There's no, there's nobody that gets off the hook. 
to not be making things to keep people alive. Right. Food, and that provided clothing. like, and so there, and so there was definitely like, she says, you know, she, this is where she like totally undercuts Beth Allison Barr. Cause there was definitely a role distinction and there was a sense of much men took hold of the, 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 the fur, the, the official, uh, formal, formal roles of authority. But within that system, because women were so vital to it, women also, women had informal authority in a way that men don't. And everyone knows this. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, even in the church, everybody knows that there's like, there's a balance of power inside of a church. The, the, the matriarch of a church is not a powerless sort of put upon, you know, you, you, you watch your step around (laughs) the young, the young vicar walking in facing Lady Catherine de Bourgh isn't going to (laughs) like, do anything he wants to do yeah i know he got ordained but oh my gosh you know he's like mr collins is right bowing and scraping before his mistress it's just not true that there's only one kind of way of exercising quote leadership that's what i hate the word leadership it's coming up everywhere leadership leadership that's not a interesting Anyway, sorry, that's another topic. <laughs> well, so she's saying that that when the industrial revolution came, and a lot of the a lot of the pro- products that women were the role they had in that pre-industrial society was taken away by by the industrial revolution, and so in the home, all she's doing is kind of caring for the product or, or overseeing. She becomes and, a consumer. She becomes the consumer the, of the products of the industrial revolution. Right, right, right. And so she's and so like people, women try to recreate what they had before. And, and so feminism then this is a key distinction right. for me. Feminism is a symptom of something that went started to just go haywire. I mean, all the different isms that people tried to sort out their lives in the nineteenth and twentieth centuries were symptoms of real things that started to go really wrong and you can't um and i mean each kind of ism addressed some some particular you know they would lean heavily into one thing rather than another but in feminism the war she calls it team care and team freedom yeah the the war between freedom for women because their lives did become circumscribed and then class issues began to be really central so this is the interesting part now yeah the laptop class women um, upper class white women in western societies of the laptop class of which beth allison Barr is one and i am another actually um set the tone and the pace that swallows up millions of women who never get to be in that class and who lead very constrained lives and for whom the dismantling of the quote patriarchy serves them not at all. It's just hubris. That's yeah. Um, She's very clearly like the, 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 the freedom that women have now is only elite freedom. Because women who are still circumscribed by, who can't have access to the technology and the, who don't have access to the technology and the, the things that bring 
quote unquote freedom to feminists now don't have it and, and they're suffering because of it. They have to be, they're the ones who, I mean, I've gotten to the part where she's doing, talking about surrogacy and motherhood. Um, there's a, there's, we're grow we're, we're making an underclass of poor women who will gestate babies for yeah. rich white gay men. Um, right. And it's sick. It's really, yeah. <laughs> so the, so the, okay. So go back to a, so the, like she, one example she gives is in the Victorian era, which is looked down upon by feminists today. Um, women were trying to recreate a commodity or recreate some kind of thing they could offer the family. And and it was the sense of domestic domesticity, the sense of creating a good home, a nice home was which, a product for, I mean, it, everybody, Beth Allison Barr, Kate May, everybody knows about the, like, writes about the cult of domesticity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what they say about it is so, well, I think slanderous. Yeah, yeah. You know, as if it, as if it created the problem. Right. Instead of being something a response that happened to in the response problem. Right. to a problem that had already begun to occur. And and that, I mean, and so people were trying to re- reconstruct the pre-industrial role gendered life that, that was interrupted and destroyed and that and that's what complementarianism is trying to do too i mean it's trying to reconstruct this um because it was it's it's it, it's part of the argument in the book seems to be that this is in our bones this is in our this this relating the way men and women relate is not something is not a construct it's it's part of who we are and that was eviscerated by the by technology and the industrial revolution we're trying to get it back well some but, people but some the people way are to get, trying to keep eviscerating it more and more. right like right, a right. big section of our society is actually but she's to, on the side of those trying to get it back yeah and she's saying one way to get it back is to do away with, with all the technology of birth control that that has taken women and divorced them from their bodies and their um and has Un, unhitched, I guess. Well, disembedded. She, this is yeah. the word she keeps using, at least in this section that I'm in. She just disembedded, which is kind of an interesting. I mean, the, the, the women are actually biological creatures mm-hmm. with necessary biological functions, and the more you divorce them from those things that make them who they are, material, you know, physically and materially the more you destroy them spiritually as well. I mean, you're just, you're, it isn't good for women. It, 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 it it isn't, uh, it doesn't make them happy. It doesn't help them flourish. Um, It, it, it serves one level of, you know, high, the strat on the strat on the stratosphere or the, you know, the upper crust, it serves some women very well. Yeah. And then the vast majority of women, it, it serves them not at all. And men either. It just, it, it, it's the war that it has existed now yeah. for a couple of hundred years is um, being stoked and f- inflamed by people who are trying to, quote, dismantle something that cannot be actually dismantled because it's fundamental to who yeah it's kind of it's compelling when she's telling the story of her own because she grew up in a kind of progressive mindset or every we're progressing toward greater and greater freedom greater and greater um liberty for women and uh she lived quote unquote lived into that 
and her life came crashing down. And, but then she got married, she got pregnant and that changed everything. Cause then she realized then, cause she, she actually wanted to be with her baby and she enjoyed being a mother. But she and then she, had to face what every modern woman feels when they want to be with their baby. They have to then justify the desire to be with their baby against the entire world. Right. Which has incidentally, I'm sure, driven the, quote, homeschool movement because no woman is allowed to just stay, quote, just stay home with her baby. She has to justify her, her existence. She has to homestead and homeschool and, like, add in a whole lot of other tasks, which, of course, you know, you're with your baby for a certain amount of time then get you do have to do other things right babies <laughs> last a short time right um, but she was saying i really felt it would give me joy to surrender myself for my daughter's good yeah and that's so anti-feminist which is literally right. what it means in the bible that women yeah. will be saved through childbearing right. like that's literally <laughs> what that verse means is that women they're by i'm 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 pontificating here. This is my own exegetical, experiential, subjective idea about that particular verse. But (laughs) women are hardwired biologically to be saved out of um, selfishness, selfishness, which is the opening. It's the gateway to the gospel. Yeah. Men are saved by marriage through that. Yeah. And not saved, of course. In a spiritual sense, we're, we're saved by Jesus and faith in Jesus Christ alone. But but it's a gateway the sanctification. Drug. That's a gateway drug, like to knowing about Jesus. When you discover that you can lay down your life for someone else, and right. that it actually is pure joy to do that, right? Then you you have it. It's like you know when people start listening to Jordan Peterson, it's the gateway to Jesus. That's right. like it opens the crack in the door for you to discover that Jesus is that letting yourself go for somebody else is is the purpose of being human and so it is such an immense and terrible and sick and satanic lie to say that you shouldn't do that that actually happiness lies in the other direction right so like there's three or four weeks ago there was there was there were these videos that were coming out on TikTok about women who, from women who were like in their thirties or something and didn't have children, talking about how free they are and how wonderful their life is, um, and they just could not conceive of having a child because they would be so constricted in their, um, in their freedoms. And to you know, for someone in that mindset, like why on earth would any woman have six kids? But, but that woman, I think, is lying to herself. They're they're, they're not they're not. Well, everybody in the whole, it's not. It, it, everything in our culture is telling women that they shouldn't do the one thing that will yeah, really make them happy. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so. And it makes, I mean, reading this book, it makes sense. Okay. This is why women have six or seven kids. Cause it, it, it's, it's who they, it's their, it's a biological God imbued. She wouldn't, I'm, I'm, she's not a Christian. No, she is. Oh, is she? She's Catholic. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, she writes for a Catholic Hmm. unheard i think no no she's she's but she's not um the book isn't like, yeah she's talking it's kind of an analysis more yeah than. she doesn't i mean I, I don't think she wants to be like pigeonholed as a right christian or um she wants everybody to read her but there's a growing movement of of women however small of who have had enough you know yeah. who are finally saying stop doing that we can't we cannot go any further down this path at all and i think that's like my the 
the thing that's sticking in my craw about quote evangelical women who are messing around, who are playing with fire on the question of men and women in the church. I mean, for, for sure, people have to read this book. It answers so many of the banal yeah. and fatuous <laughs> ideas of Kay Dumay yeah. and Beth Ellisonbar, yeah, who are just, you know, two more well-known examples of many, many, what many women have come to believe. And at some level, I can't totally fault them because they're products of their time and they are trying to do something that they believe is good for women, I think. But they are not curious enough to read more widely. They're not curious enough to know about, to, to investigate the experiences of poor women. Yeah. Um, so, well, I'm really amazed you're reading this book. Well, that's because I love you and I, I read things that are interesting to you. I also do that. I also read you things read that are interesting. <laughs> You literally had one thing. No, I mean that. Yeah, I, I started. I started things. our relationship going out of my way to read books that were on your bookshelf. It's just of, that you managed to pick all to the bookshelf. You, you picked all the books that were like my least favorite book. Like you went straight for Crime and Punishment, which is the book <laughs> I liked the least. I do own. I have read it, and I do own it. But you're like, this is amazing. Well, you you didn't read that. You didn't naturally go for the books that are important to me. So, well, I, I, I know try you tried to get points, but you weren't, you weren't able to get them. But you don't even try. I, beg I do you, try. I said, beg you for years. Will you please read Lord of the Rings? Will you please read, please read Lord of the Rings so you can know who I am as a person? We can have, I did. We can have I read it. relational intimacy and <laughs> and be one 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 person, one union, united flesh, but you wouldn't. I you did. wouldn't read Lord of the Rings. I you did. married me, but you wouldn't read <laughs> for years. <laughs> Okay. So, is this the moment where we stop and go over to our paid section? I don't know. Is there anything, is there anything else we need to talk about? I, I feel like I'm very tired, and I don't know, I what what that would be. But I am, my, I have something due today. For the um, Council on Biblical Manhood and Biblical Womanhood, I'm reviewing Mimi Haydad's chapter on the history of women evangelical women in evangelicalism and i'm trying really hard to be very kind and loving in my tone but it it is one of them how can i be friendly and say this (laughs) without being mean it's just very shallow it is a very very shallow chapter and just naming a bunch of women who did stuff in the church doesn't make an argument for what women should do in the church. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit, like at least the argument is uh, the part I, I read it, but I skimmed it. Um, but it reminds me of the anti-racism statement that came out from the ACNA and it was published on, it didn't come out from the ACNA, it came out from the, uh, Anglican Compass, which is now under new management, and it was a great publication. But back then, it was it was very very woke, and the 
<laughs> the the statement was basically okay. Statistically, the ACNA has this percentage of a minority people in clerical orders. The United States has this percentage of people of minority people, right? So it was like a, we don't have, we have like five percent or less of people who are in in who are minorities in in ordained office in the ordained office, um, but the United States has like eleven percent or twelve percent of this particular demographic, um, African Americans, I think it was. Uh, so therefore, racism. Like, what can you think of? Maybe a couple of logical. So, so you can observe. So instead of saying "therefore racism" and we repent, noting demographic data, observing that, and then and then noting that the the percentages in one in an organization don't exactly reflect the demographic data does not necessarily mean that that organization is racist. There are. It could be that that it, that could be why there could be like structures in place to keep uh, minorities or or whatever group you're looking at out of the out of the system. That that's possible. Um, so you want to investigate that. But it could also just be the vagaries of where the where the churches are. It could be where the uh, who knows many other things. But you can't just leap from here. Here are these statistics to here's the conclusion without making an argument. And the paper didn't. And the and the statement didn't make an argument. It just made the. It just took the stats and then leapt to a conclusion. And it sounds like that's what she's kind of doing too. Is that it? Yeah. I mean, there's just there's so many. Um, like it, it for sure is true that the relationships between men and women over the last two hundred years and the place of women in the church has been really contentiously debated. Yes. And it's true that women in the 1800s, early 1900s um, did a lot of stuff. In fact, that's the, that's the period that's being, still being litigated or still trying, we're still trying to understand what happened to Western society from the enlightenment through the industrial revolution and now past the technological revolution. So there, there are, there have been huge seismic, uh, intense shifts in the way that men and women relate to each other. And one of those, one of those true things is that in terms of technology, there is very little that separates the work of men from the work of women. You and I can both sit at our computers and write blog articles. Like there's nothing gendered necessarily about that, except that the way that we write is quite different, actually. It, It is still gendered, even though we're essentially performing the same function, yeah. function or task. Um, and you can, I can both run the dishwasher and the washing machine, and we both can drive a car. There's nothing about my biological reality that makes it impossible for me to drive a car. Um, no, no, don't. <laughs> yeah. I'm a good driver. It is weird how our oldest daughter is such mm-hmm. a bad driver, but it's a terrible driver. Yeah. Anyway, may not be. Mm-hmm. It may not be because of her being a female person. <laughs> okay, that's a really interesting thing to think about. First of all, what 
what ought, how could men and women in this new age order their lives in a, in a way that makes sense of their biology Hmm. in, in the light of how much technology we have and how much consuming of products that we are required to do in our lives. Um, that's something that Christians really need to think about and have been trying to. It doesn't help it when some people come along and shut down the conversation right. and say, oh, well, it's the patriarchy. That's so unhelpful. Second of all, given that that's so, we have, we're still trying to figure things out. Um, when you add in the Bible and theology, you have a more complicated conversation but but in many ways it actually could simplify the conversation you could have you you there are some timeless um truths in the scripture about men and women that could make a path forward that wouldn't necessarily be misogynistic if we were allowed to talk about it without immediately jumping to quote the boogeyman patriarchy right uh and it's true also, we cannot go back to 1950 and we cannot go back to 1890. We can't go back to 1820 and we can't even go back to 1400. We can't go back, but we could think about the past in a way that helped us through the difficulties that we have now. I don't know. I feel like that's a, a sensible thing that Christians can do, but not if half or some part of the Christian world keeps insisting that even talking about it at all is, is total misogyny. Yeah. I no that had, that has to stop. Those people need to stop saying that and be they're making careful. lots of money out of it and they're re- making lots of money off of it because they're getting people who are disaffected and hurt by past relationships or they're getting people who are um, angry at evangelicalism and, and they're able to label whole swaths of people misogynistic and feed on the anger of their of their listeners and readers and it's really well it's it's it continues to perpetrate the tragedy it it's true that a lot of men and women have been hurt by everything over the last 200 years uh and that that's true accounting for the past i think is got to be something that we, we we deal with we have to be allowed to talk about it and um, the place, what women do in the home and the church is something that needs to be discussed yeah. in, in our time now. And, um, and that pit, that conversation is going to be painful for some, Yeah. but as long as we don't have it, we just keep rolling down the broad, wide road to hell right. where we continue to devour each other and destroy people's lives. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, but Mimi Haydad's contribution to the conversation wasn't very profitable because she just said the same thing that has been said for 50 years, and it's not compelling. So on that note, we're going to go over to our demotivations with Anne and Matt. So if you want to listen there, subscribe to our, to subscribe to my Substack. Pay five dollars. <laughs> Yeah, that's Anne's favorite phrase. So we've been doing; she's been doing very well in Substack. So, but I and it's do, been I super write, helpful for us. I write and she, so and she much puts out free. a lot. Yeah, yeah she puts you, out a lot of free stuff. Um, but she also like um, doing really well, and you know, it's it's good because you've, you've again you've written for the last twenty years for for fifteen years for free, 
had a lot of free stuff. So I'm glad she to see you finally. 17, which uh, is when I started, I was really pregnant well, with him. So I'm glad to see you finally being a, having a professional writer. What? Making, finally. Well, you you should have. I'm prolific. You know, I've said this already, but I'm sort of shocked by our wretched son said, came to me in this like, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever thought of it kind of way, but Hey, you know, you write so much. If you would just write another 1000 words every day, you could have written like several book, more books by now. <laughs> like come here so I can hit you. <laughs> he's, so, he's such a helpful person. Thank, thanks for that child. Okay. We'll follow us over to demotivations and we will be back next week.